Hey guys, it's Steven. Before the show started, I wanted to take a, a little time and remind everybody that September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Here in 2014, cancer is still the leading cause of death for children in the United States, despite amazing breakthroughs in both medicine and science. At the forefront of this battle is St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, right here in Memphis, Tennessee, my own backyard. Each year, St. Jude treats thousands of kids, including my own, without charging the, their families for a single appointment, meal, or night of housing. All the research St. Jude does into the human genome, treatment options, and more is freely shared with the medical community at large. St. Jude's operating costs are $2 million a day, and the doors stay open at the generosity of the public. Let's make September about these kids, about my kid, and these families. You can learn more and donate at 512pixels.net slash September. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode number three of Connected on Relay FM. Today is September 3rd, 2014. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Igloo, Iconic, and Squarespace, and we're going to tell you about those guys and gals a little bit later on in the show. My name is Mike Hurley. Today I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. And that is it. <laughs> Federico is off celebrating. Federico's at a, a party. Uh, listeners of uh, The Prompt may remember La Machina, which we spoke yeah. about before. It's that time of year again. Uh, so that's where Federico is. He is, he is uh, at La Machina. Was that episode three last time? No. No, episode 12, according to Google. Yeah. So, yes, Federico will be back uh, next week. We are joined by Jason Snell in a little while. But first, we have some follow-up. Follow-up. Sorry. Yeah, we don't do the sound can't, anymore. Can't help it. So, underscore David Smith. Did the has best done thing com- ever. The best uh, thing yes. ever. So good. So, there is now a official Safari extension that switches episode numbers on Relay.fm to Roman numerals. <laughs> now, it is all episode numbers. So, my, you know, my standpoint was this should just be connected. But you should definitely download this and... Um, change the way that our site works in your browser you shouldn't have a bias for one show anymore but uh, yeah but the, uh, technically they're all your shows i mean it's true they're more my shows but they're <laughs> wow wow <laughs> i'm on them all what mm. do you want from me <laughs> i'm very tired <laughs> i've done Just lots redrawing of my redrawing my contract real quick <laughs> are you going to be my co-host on every show now yes okay cool just checking so this is awesome and you should run it in Safari. And if you don't run Safari, you should switch to Safari so you can do it. I'm, are you running it, Mike? I'm running it. Oh, I, I use Chrome, so. Oh, uh, look at me. Um, I need Google Docs. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> like, it works. It works in Yosemite Safari. Oh, really? I'm, I'm, I'm in it right now. Yeah, it's great. What Google Docs? Yes, because it does not work in Safari and Mavericks so at all. This is great news because uh, doesn't seem like Chrome are going to do a lot to support the new extensions in iOS, so I probably will want to switch back to Safari. Yes. Um, but I like, I like you know, tab syncing, and I like shared history and that sort of stuff, so... Yes. So I'll be happy. The, uh, the next follow-up item is in our document called Stephen is a Liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Paul Lou on <laughs> on Twitter... Said, ISMH, you never said why you don't like my fitness pal. 
uh, which is true. I think I, I said that I would say why I didn't like it, but then I didn't say why I didn't like it. And now I will say why I don't like it. I don't know. I, I assume Federico put that in there and said you were a liar. I, I don't yeah, think it was me. And that definitely pretty, seems like something he would say. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so my fitness pal is, it's a, it's a fine app. Like I don't want to disparage any developer, but uh, it does some things that I don't really care for, especially like on the marketing side, like they send a lot of emails and they're really big into the social end of it. And like, I don't particularly care if Mike knows how much I weigh. Like I don't, I don't care for the social aspect of it. And so lose it is a little more sort of solitary and lose. It does do, I think some social stuff on their website, but it's sort of a different thing. Um, my fitness pal is great. It's extremely popular. It just, I, I like the way that lose it sort of works and, and looks, um, for me so not really anything like groundbreaking there but it's kind of how it is just don't like how it looks i understand um what's next in the follow-up stephen hackett oh yes next in the follow-up item is the ipod halo effect and so we spoke what two weeks ago about the ipod um and we kind of passed over it about the the iPod Halo effect, and so we got some. We got a link um, uh, from Becky Hansmeyer, um, who has this this great blog post about her iPod collection and kind of how that how that sort of unfolded over history over her history. And the the closing of this blog post really grabbed my attention. And it was the iPod was more than a music player. It was a, the, my first real introduction into all things Apple. It was prompted my first white iBook by a black MacBook and then a MacBook Pro. And I think Becky's story is really common that that people bought an iPod and then ended up with a Mac. And we spoke a little bit uh, about that even on the show with with Federico and and kind of his his gateway into Apple. And And I I went the iPod route, you know, iPod to iMac and and then to the rest. I, um, I was Mac first, but... Of course you were. It, uh, but I'll, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, so I took up this article from MacWorld from 2006, written by Jim Dalrymple, about how the iPod changed Apple's fortune. So in this article, Jim talks about the Mac business at the time that the iPod was introduced, and then uh, in the fourth quarter of 2006, you know, 746,000 Macs uh, versus 1.6 million Macs, and. It's, you know, I think it's very clear. You look at those numbers and you look at stories like yours and Federico's and Becky's and lots of other people. The iPod really was a, a gateway drug uh, to the sort of Apple ecosystem. And, and that's kind of what we mean by halo effect that, you know, you, you pick this one device and it radiates outward. And I think that that's definitely true of the iPod. I think it's true to maybe a lesser degree uh, for the uh, for the iPhone and iPad. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I think the stuff with iOS 8 and handoff and continuity and all that stuff, like that's even a bigger, like a bigger push into making iOS, you know, kind of recapture some of that. Definitely. I mean, it it was my story, you know, that, that, that's how I got into all this stuff. Like the iPod wasn't just my kind of halo into Apple. It was my halo into technology, really, you know, in general, Uh, it was, it was a big thing for me. Yeah. And you know, Apple's obviously a different company than they were in 2001, right? The, the Mac was, if the Mac is the underdog now, it definitely was in 2001. 
Um, it just, the iMac was just two years old at that point. And, and so it is a different, different world now, but I, I still think that, that Apple can benefit from that. You know, Apple does best when the consumer is using kind of Apple end to end, right? iCloud is that glue that holds these devices together. And so to, to look at the iPod or iPhone and say, you know what, like this is a great device and they work well together. But if you have a Mac, like they really work well together. Like it's a, it's a whole nother level of productivity and integration. That's not a bad thing for Apple at all. So uh, we're about to take a break for our first sponsor of this week's episode. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Mr. Jason Snell. So you can look forward to that. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at Igloo. We do love Igloo. Igloo have been with us since the start of the launch of this fine podcast network of which Connected is a part of. So Igloo is the internet that you will actually like because it's built with you in mind. They have super easy to use apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, and oh so much more. And these all integrate into Igloo's fantastic internet platform and are really simple to set up and configure to exactly how you need and want them to be. Everything that you're going to need with Igloo is built right in and everything is social. This means that when you upload a file to your Igloo, maybe you write a blog post, or, I don't know, you, you upload a music track you've been working on over the weekend to share with some co-workers. Well, they, your team can share it around with each other. They can comment on it, rate it, like it. This is just like the social apps that you're used to using every single day. It's like bringing those sort of conventions, the stuff that you're used to talking with your friends, into your conversations with your co-workers too. It just it helps bridge that gap a little bit. With Igloo's latest release, you can also manage all of the tasks that are associated with your content, like for example, updating the show notes for this week's episode, I can give uh, Stephen the task of uh, doing all the follow-up. I can give Federico the task of taking the week off if he likes. And I can delegate actions after this week's show, you know, maybe to do some editing or something like that to me if necessary. This is the type of stuff that you can do in Igloo. You can give people little tasks to do, and all of this is integrated right into their intranet platform. And this was just released, this functionality, out to all Igloo customers with their most recent unicorn release. Igloo's task management is designed for people. You can manage your projects, your personal to-dos, and everything in between in one unified view, all inside your intranet. Igloo have really built something that's going to help you keep on top of your work, as well as interact with your co-workers. If your company has a legacy intranet built on SharePoint or old portal technology, you should be giving Igloo a try. Or if you just want to be more connected, more social, and more productive in your workplace, Igloo is for you. And it is free to use with up to 10 people. And you can sign up today at igloosoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much for Igloo for supporting us <laughs> at this show and all of Relay FM. We love you, Igloo, even if I can't say it sometimes. I just get so choked up when I think about you. Show your support to them and us by going to igloosoftware.com slash connected. And we have a special guest today to talk about the September 9th event, which is just around the corner, the one and only Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. You're back on Relay after like... Not even it's a week. been a week. <laughs> another week, another relay <laughs> show I just appear on. <laughs> well, I can't help it. I just I just love talking to you. So Yeah. So who we are. So well, I love I love the show and it's very weird to be on the other side of a show that I listen to regularly. So Yeah, it's uh, uh sweatier on this side, isn't it? It's kinda weird. 
I don't know. It's pretty pleasant over here. It's all air conditioned <laughs> and nice. It's plush. This is the Ooh. plush new uh, Relay dot uh, FM. Look at me. I live in California. No, I mean the po- your podcast network is plush. Oh yeah, yeah. Forget it. Uh, never Fine. Mind. Well, this was a good show. We should just. <laughs> um, Bye, everybody. Yeah. So Tuesday, less little less than a week from now, uh, Apple's going to have a little shindig at the uh, the Flint Center, right? Which is interesting. Flint, Flint Center, yeah. They've been there Center. since the iMac, the original iMac. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess you were there. Did you uh, fist bump? I, I wasn't there. No? I wasn't. I, no, no. Actually, it's funny. Um, the event that Apple called before that, and this was back when before Apple events were a thing. Um, it, it, it was you know the dark times, and they they did something where they like got all the press to come to Cupertino for some briefing, and it turned out like there was no new hardware, and it was some software initiative, and I don't even <laughs> remember what it was, but I remember we all felt so ripped off that yeah. when they did this next event, and they said, oh no no, you need to come to this event, um, it's it's going to be really good. And we're like, sure guys, sure yeah. it's going to be good, and um, <laughs> oh, we sent a, a, a token, like one person went to yeah. that event and it turned out to be the iMac and we never missed another event I never missed another <laughs> yeah. event after that I guess I'm trying to think what would be before that like Mac OS 8.6 or o, uh, it's before it OS 9 uh, but I'm telling you it wasn't even that it was it was something yeah. uh, like I said it was some weird like it was like an Apple Works uh, update <laughs> internet initiative or something I think it wasn't even a product I think it was like we all felt ripped off like it was somebody's PR baby and they decided like hey we'll call the press and we all <laughs> felt but they won't tell them what it is until we get there and then you feel totally ripped off and so when they did it again for the iMac we're, we're like you know I guess somebody needs to go so we sent somebody because you can't not have Macworld at, at an Apple event, and yet uh, suddenly it turned out to be this big thing. And and li- literally, um, the editor in chief called the staff afterward and said, "I'm driving back now. Assemble in you know 40 minutes in my office, and this is huge." And it was huge. So that's, I'm assuming this is the Flint Center for the Performing Arts, right? That's that. Uh, that's the one, guys. If you've seen their website, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. FlintCenter.com. It's uh, it's going to be in the show notes. It's a special, yeah. special website. I think it might have an image map, maybe some blink tags. Wow, look at this! This it's, is uh, it's pretty epic, and for all of the wrong reasons. So, Jason, we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, I mean, you know, I I would like to think that everybody loves to to sort of guess what's going to come up. I think this is, you know, this is the sort of the usual thing that we'll do before uh, an event like this. Um, we like to try and put in our best estimates as to what we think we're going to see, depending on like the rumors that have come out or just like from our best guesswork. And we figured, you know, who better than you to to talk about this stuff. So let's start with the phone. <laughs> I may be a terrible guesser, though. That's the problem. Well, we're going to we're going to rely on your experience in this one. All right. So let's start with the with the phone. So All right, I guess that there will be a phone. We're going to assume that. Now, <laughs> what are we thinking about lineup here? So the 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 standard rumor is we're going to see two new phones, like two new screen sizes, like a what are we looking at? 4.5, 4.7 and like 5.5 is kind of the the general sort of uh rumors given out at this point. Do you think that we're going to see this? If we do see two new phones, what happens to like the C line? Is that going to stick around, or will that be gone already? Oh wow! Um, like I said, I'm bad at predicting. I, I, the the rumors seem too strong for there not to be two phones, right? Although I I kind of have expected them to do a big phone last year, and it didn't happen. There they, they were there were some minor buzzing about that. 
So I, you know, I think two phones is is a good is a good rumor. The big question is, yeah, what happens? I presume they they wouldn't just kill the existing uh, product line and product size, and that there probably will still be a phone. You know that that's a five, let's say, of some kind, five S, five C, five something else, um, that they keep around at the lower end of the line. I would I would think so. Um, I, I think there's just too much. I mean, that's, this is part of their product strategy is having these one and two year old models still available at lower prices. Because the name is going to get really potentially really clunky, right? We could end up with like a five C, a five C S, like a five, a six Pro. Like the, the naming is it's just this thing that whenever we come into these sort of uh, announcements, it's always such an interesting thing to think about because there doesn't really... I mean, there are some sort of things that Apple do which you can kind of guess at with naming, but then every now and then they throw a spanner into the works, like when they call iPad, like the fifth iPad, just the iPad, and yeah, then everybody the new, has to deal the new with iPad. that. <laughs> like, and, and I feel like we're the, the iPhone, if, we, if we're going to get two new iPhones and then potentially bump two older models down the chain again so they've got the lower end as well. I think we're going to end up in some really interesting naming territory again. I think Apple Apple's not consistent with the names either cuz I could see I could see them sticking a letter on one of these models. Um I could also see them saying that they're both the iPhone 6 and you can choose your size. Um that, yeah, and, that's, not, that's not a bad thought actually. Right, they could do that. They could just say, "Look, this is the new iPhone 6 and it comes in this size and then it'll also come in this size." Oh, and everybody is amazed by that. That or they could say it's the 6 and the, it's the 6L or something like that because it's large. Um yeah. and I don't know, they're they're really inconsistent because you've got the iPad where they where they tried to take the generation out of it and say it's just the new iPad, but it, you know, it still is you know, you can count the generations. They have the iPad mini, but then with the iPhone, they've kept the numbering scheme. And then if you look at the Mac side, you know, you've got the MacBook Air, and then there's an 11-inch MacBook Air and a 13-inch MacBook Air. So, uh, you know, and likewise with the iMac and the MacBook Pro. So, uh, you know, they are not consistent across these devices. And and in the iPhone line, they've seemed to be perfectly happy to add capital letters on at the ends of numbers. So it's a it, – your guess is as good as mine here. They, they – it, it every time they complicate a product line like this, there's that question of like, how is Apple going to attempt to communicate the complexity of this product line? Could, yeah, it's oh, on, it's interesting. Him. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, if you look at the 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 iPad line, you know, having two devices now that are identical except screen size, and they do have different names. But on the computer end of things, you know, a MacBook Air, like they don't in marketing at least say, you know, MacBook Air parenthetical 11.6 inch now that's in the the technical documentation uh for those of us who are k-base lovers sure but K-base. it's yeah i love the K-base. mid mid 2011 yeah <laughs> uh, you should upgrade that's that's it's getting old um so yeah it, it oh, is interesting oh i've upgraded oh I've upgraded. oh <clears throat> now i'm the, mid 2013 i've moved to the middle of last year from the middle of uh many years ago. <laughs> so you know if, if you're on a mac mini it doesn't really matter at all so it, you know, it is. <laughs> Last it is year's model is 2011 model, <laughs> and the 20, 2009 yeah. model. <laughs> All of the Mac Mini fans are just weeping silently. I, now. I'm waiting to buy. I want to buy a new Mac Mini, and I just can't bear to buy the one that they've got now because it is not new. It is very old. Yeah. Well, we we live stream on a Mac Mini, and I bought a used one off somebody because I was like, "What's the point? Like, <laughs> it doesn't. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter." Yep. Um. So the the naming is interesting. Um. 
but I think ultimately, you know, I think Apple's marketing department can can figure that out. Uh, I always, I really like what they do now with like, I just rewatched the Yosemite part of the keynote from WWDC and they're like, Craig Federighi's like, oh, like OS 10 weed and like OS 10, all these crazy California names. <laughs> um, so I think they've got, I think they've got the, the names under control. But what's interesting to, to me at least is looking at, okay, they're going to have two phones that are the same size, potentially, I mean, new ones. Are those phones spec the same or is there something different about the bigger one besides screen size? You'd think that this would be an opportunity for them to to throw something in there at the at the super high end, although I don't know. I I I feel like the I think this I think the best thing to do would be to say if it's the iPhone 6 line, the iPhone 6 line is all you know, it all has those features, but you know, I and I haven't seen any rumors about the idea that there's some sort of withheld feature. I don't think I've seen like the the rumors about doing, um, you know, a payment system and near field communication chip and things like that. They don't seem to be rumors that there's going to be. Well, that's only going to be in uh, one model. I think that they expect that it'll be in in both the models. Um, I don't know. This big phone thing is a big is a big mystery too. Because what if they said you can run i don't know two apps side by side that probably not that seems like a terrible idea in general um i don't know i i, I kind of feel like the beauty of the big phone is just that it's a bigger iphone but it's still an iphone so i i hope they keep it simple we can pray for battery life well like, i think that comes with the territory right yeah. is that presumably the larger an area the larger a volume of a phone the more battery although i worry that apple just thinks that the I worry that this is like an algebra problem and then Apple solves for battery life and the battery life they're solving for is what we've currently got and they think that's enough. And I don't think it is. <laughs> and I think that this is a great opportunity to set that number higher and and say, look, now we've got 20 hours of battery life instead of 10. I, mean, I, I It's one of my big things is in, in I, I want the iPhone to, to have a larger screen for a few different reasons. Um, I feel like it could be wider. I would like to be able to have uh, more apps on one screen at one time, like on the home screens. Um, the content area that you get from a larger phone, like whenever I've used Android devices, I always like that. Um, but battery life is a big thing for me. Like I constantly wear, uh, sorry, have a um, wear. I also wear it. Uh, like a, a battery, pack. yeah, like a a, a, <laughs> a battery belt pack. I wear a battery around my waist. No, I I have my phone in a Mophie. It's not even is, charged. It's just the style. <laughs> it's just the style. It's just the style <laughs> of the time. Uh, because the, my iPhone doesn't get me through a day. It doesn't get me through. Sometimes just by the time I get to the office in the morning, I'm like at thirty five percent or something like that, and. It just doesn't work for me. Like I don't understand. I've never understood how people say they get a whole day out of the phone. I, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. I, I just don't get it. So I would love to see a much improved battery life from a phone it, with a larger yeah. screen and, and a, a larger phone overall. I mean, more more volume means more battery room. I, I think. I hope because the guts of this thing are not going to be that dramatically different, I think, other than the screen. But behind the screen, not that dramatically different from what we've seen in existing iPhones, which means there's more room for battery. And on an even bigger one, there's even more room for battery. And that's I, I hope that that's actually one of the big selling points of that larger 
larger screen phone if it exists is not only does it have a nice big screen but man you should look at the battery life because for some people that really really matters and that's a place where android has had an advantage over over the iphone is they there are some phones out there that are big and chunky and have a big battery with long life and some people need it yeah and that's a that's a a really good point jason you know this is one of those situations where apple is not the first to this you know Say that Apple has a, a 4.7 inch phone. You know the there's a lot of phones at that size. I've got the the Moto G, which is a 4.5 inch, and the size is actually pretty nice. Yeah. Um, but I can remember not that long ago where like Apple community people, you know, air quotes, like sort of mocked those bigger phones, and now we're here sitting talking about you know all the advantages. Mm-hmm. And I find that shift kind of interesting, and and I've done it. You know, I, I still think a 5.5 inch phone is is pretty ridiculous, but I think that you know history over the last eighteen months, two years has shown that people people like that. Just today, Samsung had an event, and they announced two new Galaxy Notes that are you know I think at least as big as this big iPhone would be. Um, and one has like a crazy like curved screen on the edge, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But um, those will be yeah. in the show notes. But uh, it you know like it's it's a weird shift for us to be talking about these in kind of different ways now. I think. Yeah, it's um. You know, sometimes some of it is tribal. Some of it is like, well, we don't do that and they do do that. So we're going to say that what we do is good and what they do is bad. And I get that. And some people have uh, smaller, you know, smaller hands. And uh, and I hear from women, especially who have smaller hands, who don't really don't like this trend toward larger phones. Personally, I've tried a bunch of different Android phones, put them in my pocket. And my re- my reaction is always, that fits. It's fine. I mean, it, there's plenty of room in my pocket for a bigger iPhone because the <laughs> Android phones fit in there just fine. Now, the, the Super Jumbo iPhone, I think that's a question. What, is that going to be like that Samsung, um, the, the Galaxy Note where they had like Shaq holding it or Yao Ming holding it? And it's literally like, it looks like when a giant person holds it, it looks like a normal size phone or 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 what? I think that's a, an open question. But certainly these larger these larger Android phones don't... I mean, they fit in my pocket just fine. They and sometimes they're they're thinner around the edges, and they, I I don't walk around with one of those phones in my pocket and think this is ridiculous. In fact, for a while when I was trying out the Galaxy S three, I think I had a, a Galaxy S three and an iPhone five in my pocket simultaneously, and it was fine. <laughs> it was a little bit tight, but I mean, there's room in there, and you get the bigger screen, which is which is really nice. I may be proving the point of now saying big screens are nice, but I never really understood. I like that the iPhone is 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 uh, is compact and I can reach everywhere on the screen with my thumb and all that. But at the same time, when I tried the Android phones, they seemed fine too. Sometimes it's hard to know until you can experience these these things. And I mean, I wasn't sure I ever wanted larger than like the three point five inch screen um, until I played around with some Android devices and realized that like four point something was was great like i say that about 4.5 to 4.7 feels like a sweet spot for me yeah the the, the larger screen like the even larger screen i'm interested i don't know if i want it but i'm interested to see what apple try and bring to that if they go that route like if they go galaxy note route where do they go because the galaxy note makes sense because it has the stylus right so you can you can kind of I feel like in a way you can see it is the size of like a notepad. So why not give it a little pen and people can take notes on it? 
so I wonder what Apple will say is their reason. Like, what is the reason for going that large if they do? Like, because it's, I think it's difficult to try and understand it, especially if they don't start doing extra software features in iOS, which I highly doubt, you know, like having being able to have more things on screen at a time, however that might be. Um, more than just what developers do, like what what will Apple do themselves to try and justify why a five like over five inch device makes sense when they then have like iPads, which it's bumping up towards at that point. Although I like the idea of, I don't think it's a mainstream product. I think it is an edge case product. I think that's why Apple hasn't introduced one yet. Even if they do now, it will be very late in the game. I, you know, I, I, I look at the Note. I talk to people who have things like the Note. And usually what they say is they like the fact that they have one device instead of having a tablet and a smartphone. They just have this thing that's like a, you know, like a small tablet. And yes, it's also got a phone feature in it, but that's kind of not the point. And the point is that they've got cellular data and that they yeah. can take this one device around with them. And I think I suspect those devices actually appeal more to women in the sense that they're much more baggable than they are pocketable. Sure. Um, and I, I don't know. I find it kind of intriguing. I have an iPad mini and I love it. And I, I think about this large iPhone and think if it wasn't too much of a you know a burden to <laughs> fit in my pocket and uh, and it meant that i sort of just had the one device everywhere instead of the two maybe that would be a better thing i think for some people it would and for a lot of other people it wouldn't and you know up to now apple's like look we just do one iphone this is the best one we do this this is the best fit for us and now we're, we may be seeing them saying well you know different strokes for different folks and and the big phone is never going to be everything i this is why i'm still a little skeptical about the big phone because it seems not quite apple-like to say this is going to be a little more of an oddity but it 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 maybe the product line is diverse enough now because it's been like the, with the ipods right it needs to diversify and at some point some of these things like the ipod shuffle was an oddity too uh, but it filled a particular need the, the interesting thing that you mention about like the one device right that is a a real sort of consumer reason for a device like that, but it's not a marketable one because Apple want people to have both still. So that's yeah. what I find really interesting. Like I just try and wrap my head around if they don't give some sort of additional features in that device, which I think the general consensus is they probably wouldn't do that because it's likely that they won't be unveiling like the iPhone 5C and the 5S. These are going to be two top tier phones, right? That They're just going to have like potentially the standard and then the pro or something like that they may go with now. I just try and I, I try and put myself in their shoes and wonder what is the the Apple justification of it, and like the only thing that I can think of that you can 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 easily get away with is battery life, but then they didn't do that with the Air and the and the iPad, like the sorry the yeah the Air and the Mini, the iPads, they have the same battery life as well as like the rest of the same internals. So I just it's just an interesting thing to me, and I want to talk about Avanza, but before that. Um, if we're going to look at different screen dimensions, what do you guys think are going to happen to existing third-party apps? Are we going to be in one of those like scaling up scenarios, like if if developers haven't prepared for like the new like resolution independence or something like that? Um, what what are we going to do in that regard? There was an interesting conversation on. I guess now last week's talk show with Gruber and um, 
uh, Craig Hockenberry of the Icon Factory and, and kind of thinking about, especially on the 5.5, what happens. And I think where they settled, and I don't disagree, is that iOS is just going to scale those apps up. So it won't be as bad as like 1X and 2X when they went Retina, but it will be maybe a little bit fuzzy until until developers deal with it. I, I don't think they're going to letterbox uh, they did that when they went to the five because it just went taller. But letterboxing an app in the center of the screen with like black all the way around it leads to a lot of issues, right? Like, where does the keyboard end up? Is the keyboard full width with the app not? Like, I don't. I, I think Apple is going to deal with with it by scaling up because it's the simplest solution. And yeah, it doesn't look great, but it's better than having apps like kind of floating in space in the middle of this phone. Well, it's going to be multiple multiple steps, right? Where there's uh, you know, can it can't, does it have uh, these these liquid layouts? Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay. Um, well, then we'll either scale it up or we'll letterbox it. And it depends on what the aspect ratio is of the phone. If it's more or less what the 5S is, then maybe it would just scale it up. Um, but, you know, developers, all the, all the cool apps will get updated very rapidly to support it, just like they did with the 5S and, and just like they did with Retina. Um, I am a little curious about what's going to happen in terms of what uh, target resolution developers are working on. And I, um, my theory, and I know I mentioned this on another podcast the other day, is I, I keep wondering if they're going to do with the iPhone what they did with the Retina MacBook Pro, which is end up targeting like a, um, uh, a, a false resolution, a resolution that's actually higher than the resolution of the display, and then scale it. Um, because I know that there are a lot of people who are worried about like, uh, perfect, you know, pixel perfect designs and things like that. And I I think one of the weirdest things that Apple did with the retina MacBook pro was break away from the idea of a perfect pixel display resolution on a, on a flat panel. They render it at a, a, an enormous resolution. If you take a screenshot on the MacBook retina MacBook pro, you'll, it's much larger than the actual screen resolution. And that's because it's rendering at this incredibly high level. And then they're resizing it on the fly for your screen. And that sounds like it would look terrible. It doesn't look terrible. And the reason it doesn't look terrible is at some point, the resolution of your screen is so high (laughs) that you can't see the terrible fuzzy part of the pixels because they're too tiny to see. And I I wonder if maybe that's going to be the solution to some of this stuff with the bigger screen is some screen math where they're rendering it at 4X or something and then scaling it to 3X or whatever on the fly. And, you know, so that's going to be a wrinkle too, where, you know, we don't know what they're going to render at and we don't know what's going to happen to apps that are are, uh, moving independently, like little interface elements are sliding here and there. And then what happens, when does the OS throw its hands up and say, I don't know what to do with this app here, just use it like the (laughs) iPad does now with iPhone phone apps yeah just like whatever here it is it's a 2x scaled up and just take it yeah so let me talk about our next sponsor uh for this episode of connected and we have a new sponsor today and that is a a, a lovely book called iconic let me tell you about iconic it's a photographic tribute to apple and design Iconic is a coffee table book that tells the story of Apple's most beautiful desktops, portables, peripherals, prototypes, 
iPods, iOS devices and packaging. It's got the whole lot, all with the use of stunning and unique photography. The project began in 2009 when author Jonathan Zufi decided he wanted to start to photograph and catalogue his incredible and huge collection of Apple products. Over four years, the team working on Iconic took over 150,000 photos, choosing the very best examples to put into this fantastic 350-page book. To go along with the images, there are a collection of essays from contributors such as Ken Siegel, Lauren Brichter and Daniel Kotke, as well as forwards from Jim Darrenpool and Steve Wozniak. Now, we want to take a quick moment to talk about a product that we found in Iconic that really means something to us. And when I was flicking through the book, something that I loved very much to see was one of the the main images of the iPod mini in the book is a pink one, uh, which made me very happy. Uh, to see it was basically yeah. the image it's it's kind of across a two-page spread and it has a quote from mg siegler um about all of the little things that apple does and as and it's got the ipod mini a beautiful pink ipod mini being opened in the box as it sits in the box that you would take it out of and i remember like the, the unboxing experience of that ipod mini was it was the first apple product that i had had the pleasure of opening in that way so it was the you know apple were the pioneers of that sort of unboxing and opening a product like that was fantastic so seeing it in the book like that was so awesome and one of the other images that i love i i love all of the ipod images in here because of the colors of them so like it shows all of the all of the like the nanochromatic the colored n- nanos it's got them all side by side and i like the uh, they have all of the square ipod nanos as well with all of the different watch faces on in like a tile pattern like the, the imagery in this book is just so beautiful um, Stephen, I'm sure that you love looking at all of the old Macs as well that are in here. <laughs> yeah, I love the, um, the, there's a page that has all of the old Apple disk drives. So Apple had a bunch of different, you know, five and a half and then three and a half and it's double stacked and single stacked and one with release doors and whatnot. They changed it a bunch and there's a page with all those in a grid. And, um, for me at least as like an old Apple hardware or really a, a hoarder, like I have a ton of this stuff at home. It, it really was like awesome to see all that all in one place. There is just so much stuff to look at in here as an Apple nerd and just marvel at. You know, if you're a guy like Steven, you like looking at disk drives, this book is for you. Um, Iconic has been fully self-published and is printed on beautiful and really thick and great paper stock. When the book actually arrived, I... I didn't think it could be the book because it was so heavy. Like, <laughs> yeah, they've 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 spared no expense, um, and it makes the perfect gift not only for you but for any of the geeky loved ones in your life. And we have a great deal for you. You can get twenty percent off either the classic or classic plus edition, which is made of even better materials, by going to iconicbook.com/relayfm. Thank you so much to Iconic for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. So go to iconicbook.com slash Relay FM and you'll also see some examples of some of the fantastic imagery that they've got on the site there too. Thank you. Awesome. So wearables, do we want to talk about that? Sure. Seems like a, seems like a thing. <laughs> right? How do Maybe. they work? <laughs> <laughs> How do they work? Uh, so... What are we thinking? Are we going to see another product, a wearable product tomorrow? I mean, the general consensus being, right, iOS 8 and health, and you would assume that a product like this would interface with the iPhone in a key way. Maybe it has health. You know, there's also, like, rumors about payments, and that would most likely go with it too. 
there's all this like stuff of handoff and identity and how that's all changing um, between devices. If Apple are going to do something wearable, would they be looking to unveil it at the same time as they unveil the iPhone? Well, here's here's a funny thing. We we a lot of us in the people who are watching and writing and talking about technology world get really excited about wearables and think, oh, this is going to be a whole new category of products and isn't it exciting? And you lose sight of the fact that uh, most of these wearable devices at their core are um, accessories, right? They're accessories for your device that you've always got with you, which is your smartphone. In almost all cases, that's the case. They're accessories. And if that's really true, that a wearable device from Apple really is best when used with an iPhone, and it's part of the iPhone ecosystem, and it's it makes the iPhone better, and and iPhone users are the ones who are going to want to buy it, uh, which I think is... Obviously, any wearable that Apple makes is going to work with just Apple stuff. I think that's pretty clear, and that's fine. Um, What better place to introduce that product than alongside the iPhone for two reasons. One is it's in the ecosystem. It fits with the iPhone. So, and presumably with iOS 8. And so that's the, the, the best time you could introduce it because they're attached. They're joined at the hip. And then the other thing is that this is the big one for Apple. The iPhone launch gets more attention than any other launch they do all year long. And I can tell you that just from personal experience, looking at traffic on the web, for the stories that we've done about it and the live blogs that we do about it, the iPhone event is it. So if you're going to launch a new product category, what better time to do it than when the intention of the entire world is on you? So for those reasons, I think it's the perfect place. Yeah, but I I take a little bit of problem with that. Every time Apple does an event... That was the most polite way to disagree I've ever heard. Yeah. A little little problem with that. A little little problem with that. Let me have it. Mr. Snell... Mr. Snell, um, Apple has the world attention anytime they step on stage. So why I, they why share have, the stage with the iPhone? They have some attention, right? But I feel like I feel like this is the big one, though. This is they get the most attention. I mean, it, by a factor, a surprising factor. I can I can just tell you from our from our traffic perspective the interest in this this is also the event where everybody's like what's going to go in the new iphone what's the deal with the new iphone and so you know they don't have to do it now they could do it in january if it's not going to ship until next year they could they could probably do that but if if then i will refer you to my previous statement which is also fits in the ecosystem i feel like <laughs> yeah i feel like this is not a story on its own it's a story with the iphone and assuming they want to put it in production and then know the hardware is going to leak because the reason we haven't seen leaks about this is because it's not in the supply chain yet because apple and most hardware companies leak from their supply chain Uh, there's just too many people involved in making too many parts but right now it's inside cupertino where there are very few leaks so this is you know they they would need to announce it like this month or next month at one of these presumably there'll be a, a second event like there usually is in october for an ipad launch um, they got to do it now or or it is going to leak and it's really part of the iPhone ecosystem. So it seems to me like it's the best, uh, it's the best choice for now would be to just yeah. tie it in. Cause then they tell the story with iOS eight, right? It's going to be about the health kit and the health app and iOS eight and perhaps some other features on these new iPhones. And then also this wearable device is part of the story. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. If, if it is together, there has to be that narrative, you know, Apple likes telling, you know, stringing these things together as a, as, as a narrative, you know, we've done a lot of 
Apple keynote kind of recaps on the show. And that's always something that that's true. You know, with the iPod, it's, you know, we really love music and because we love music, we made something that was uh, portable and had good battery life and was easy to use. Um, you know, the iPhone very famously, you know, the, the three things, the internet communicator, the phone and the, the, the iPod and, and that thread was carried throughout. Um, so if it, if it is health, I think it does make sense. If it's, if it's not, if it's a, Hey, we have these, you know, two iPhones, uh, which they haven't done before. Yeah. Really. I mean, the 5C kind of counts, but no one cares about the 5C. Um, and then this, like, it's just going to be a busy Tuesday. <laughs> it, it could be. Yeah, it does feel, feel overstuffed. I don't know. I, I, I maybe think that they uh, want to do it this way, too, because this is a this is a product we expect to be blown away and have this be the end of the world, the greatest product ever. Right. And instead, I think it's uh, yeah, I, perhaps best judged in the context of being an iPhone accessory. And I, I think it actually takes some of the. Uh, anticipation and the high expectations out of the product a little bit. If you say, hey, this works with the iPhone and here it is, instead of saying, we are going to create this brand new amazing event for this brand new amazing product. Does that make sense? I mean, I think a lot of times Apple's products suffer from, and their events suffer from these ridiculous expectations that can never be met. And this might be a way to slide this product out there without it having to face quite as much scrutiny as it would on its own, especially since it really does need to presumably to work with the iPhone. How much money could you charge for an iPhone accessory? irrespective of what it could and couldn't do. Like, let's assume it does everything we expect. So we'll talk about payments in a minute, but let's say it does something like that. Let's say it does health tracking. Let's say it gives you notifications. And let's say it does one other thing that nobody could conceive, right? Because that, that's what people say, oh, we can't imagine what, what Apple would do. Yeah. So let's By say people, it does all of those mean things. Federico. Yeah, Federico. <laughs> uh, let's say it does, and then it does this magical thing that Google could never do, right? How much money could you charge for this? Could you charge three hundred dollars? Could you charge four hundred dollars? Bearing in mind the phone costs six hundred. Yeah, but your your cell phone provider isn't going to um, presumably isn't going to rebate your uh, your wearable purchase. Exactly. I feel like I feel like the this is a uh, I feel like this four hundred dollar or four hundred fifty dollar rumor is like the thousand dollar iPad rumor. I feel like it's a fake that's actually put out by Apple to lower. Yep. To, to to raise unreasonable expectations so that they can undercut it. And they do that. I mean, Apple has been known to leak information in order to, um, you know, try to control the enthusiasm because they know that uh, things can get kind of run away with enthusiasm. And, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they also did something like this. That's literally this way people will be surprised when they find the price out. I think yeah. this is the kind of thing that you have to do for like two two fifty. So I expect Apple to do it for three hundred. And, and I'm not trying to be silly, but that tends to be the, you know, it's always like everybody else does it at this amount, so we they do it a little bit more. A little bit more, yeah. Like when we were looking at the iPods a couple of weeks ago, right? It was like, well, it does like ninety percent more, and we only charge you. $50 more, you know, it's, <laughs> I feel like it will be one of those scenarios. Um, you know, and it was the same with the 5C, right? Everyone expected it to be super cheap and it was just a bit cheaper. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole 5C thing is a whole interesting case study and like sort of the rumor mill, rumor mill kind of spiraling in on itself. Um, but I, I do think it's got to be, 
it's got to be something that can live on its own to a degree. It can't be completely crippled unless the iPhone is present. If it's going to be, you know, several hundred dollars, um, you know, and, and talking about expectations, like that's, that's Apple's whole thing leading up to these is, is managing that, you know, if it's controlled leaks, um, if it's, you know, I agree with, with you, Jason, that that thousand dollar rumor and then it being halfway, like I could see that being at play again. Um, now it's not helping is that they built a giant like white building attached to the Flint center. <laughs> so like, I don't know what's going on in there. I hope it's not that uh, silly WWDC thing from last year of the guys with the robot race cars. Like I hope they haven't built bigger ones and that's what's in there. R- real cars. Um, yeah. Yeah. Real car. Yeah. Real cars. Um, so, you know, if it's something health related, maybe there's some activities going on out there. You know, you can, you can see Phil Schiller swim laps. Um, Jason, you'll get to be on a treadmill. Yay! <laughs> it's probably they'll do, it. they'll do it's a probably race like journalists. it's probably like a demo room or or briefing rooms because they have the you know the if you're one of the uh, elite uh, group that has uh, has the uh, early phone where you get it and you get a week to write about it which I've been in that group and I've not been in that group I've had it both ways if you're in that group they need a place to take you like secretly and give you a phone and let you talk to executives and that might be it I don't know enough about the Flint Center to know if they needed to add on a hands-on area somewhere or if there's some place in the Flint Center that's going to be good enough because they usually have an area afterward with you know 20 of every product that they announced all um, on a table being watched over, you know, each one is being watched by at least one and sometimes two Apple employees as, and then the press comes and paws all over them. So um, that could be it too. I mean, this is a weird thing. Logistically, we haven't seen them do, do this. Most of their events are either in, in, in town hall on the Apple campus uh, or Yerba Buena or Moscone West in their keynote configuration, or there've been a couple at the California theater in San Jose. This is none of those. So I don't, I don't know. It's been ages. So um, I suspect it's one of those though, that either it's a hands-on area or they wanted their private secret, you know, double secret uh, briefing area for Walt yeah. Mossberg. <laughs> It's just for Walt Mossberg and John Gruber, the, the, the only <laughs> the ones thing. allowed in it. Yeah. The, those well, big red chairs, yeah, take up a lot, yeah. take up a lot of space. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. They could be doing their own little all things D up there with just Walt and Kara and Tim Cook. <laughs> so the, the to kind of back up a second, you know, the rumors of mobile payment, like this is the rumor that never dies, right? Like I think it started with like the maybe the iPhone like four or four S that you know NFC was going to be in it. NFC is bigger overseas than it is here in the States. Like Mike, every time you're here, you're like mesmerized that we have to like physically swipe our debit cards for them to work. Um, and that you I know use we li- checks. You still use checks. Like that's true. Like I ordered checks for our business this week because yeah. we're in America and we do things silly ways. Do you get, I don't know if the world is ready for this and a sort of, big scale and the world, I really mean America. America, Yeah. Because the the rest of the world (laughs) is doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A little, um, (laughs) by the world, I mean America. (laughs) Yeah. High five. Woo. We got two, two against one, Mike. It's two against one. (sighs) That's right. Do I have to go on that monologue again? Why I say why this is relevant. Consider, consider that Italy gets no representation this week. And yeah, yeah. Just be lucky that you're even here and allowed to be on our (laughs) podcast with us. Yeah. (laughs) So, <laughs> in the free world so, right that's right yeah, so, number so one Jason, you, yeah <laughs> good grief <laughs> uh 
Uh, so I'm Jason, in California. Think- We're going to secede anyway. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So do you think this is the year that this finally comes true? Uh, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> no, sorry, I was too busy with my... I'm, I'm folding up my American flag now, so... I, yeah. Uh, uh, is this the year the NFC finally comes to Oh, yeah. Payment, boy, we yeah. The U.S. is so messed up in terms of payments. I do well. Chip and pin is coming too, so I actually do think that that we are. When, when you look at things like the Target data breach um, and the fact that 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 got Visa and Mastercard to finally agree to do chip and pin, and just like the, everybody finally caved, the the all of the uh, credit card companies realized they were refunding way too much money in fraud transactions, and it wasn't worth it anymore. And so I actually think this is a really fluid time for payment systems in the United States. So I think I think it's a great time. I, I actually think this is one of those cases like, you know, Apple does so often where they, everybody wants Apple to jump into something really fast, and Apple just kind of sits back and watches things play out for a while. They did this with uh, with like a Bluetooth was an example from back in the day where everybody wanted Bluetooth on Macs right away. And they're like, yeah, we'll see. And like two years passed. And then they finally kind of came in after it had settled down. And I feel like with Google um, and Android uh, devices with NFC uh, hanging around and now with this move toward chip and pin in the U.S., like it seems to me like maybe Apple has just waited long enough that they can come in now and add their clout it's already moving in that direction and that maybe that'll be uh that that people will be ready now because there was a shift the fact that the u.s was ever going to go to chip and pin i i thought that that's like going to the metric system i thought it would just literally never happen in the u.s (laughs) and finally things got so bad um and consumers were you know being ripped off so much and the and the credit card companies were eating so much in refunds that they this has finally changed so I think I think it, it it might not work, but I think it's as good a time as any for anybody to try because it seems like things are finally changing. My concern is that Apple are going to do the Apple thing and not want to do NFC, but do their own system. Because even even with Apple, it's unlikely that that will get adopted. They kind of have to move to NFC for this um, because that's what currently exists uh, in Europe. Yeah, um, and it's what will move for you guys as well. Like currently now, we have a, a system, a relatively new system uh, in the UK called Contactless, where debit cards have an NFC chip in them. So for any amount under twenty pounds, I can ju- I just tap my debit card on a reader which is attached to the chip and pin machine. They're like one and the same. Uh, so and I don't yeah. even need to put my pin number in. It just debits my account, and that's it. So, like, for small transactions, no, don't need cash, and I just go beep, and that's it. And I've paid for something. So that's what needs to be integrated into phones. And, I mean, I know for a fact that uh, there are movements from uh, the card processing companies here that in some instances, if, um, like, a supplementary app is used, um, like a banking application, for example, you could pay for amounts up to hundreds of pounds because you can press it. The phone recognizes the banking app is there. The banking app pops up, asks you to put in a four-digit PIN number, and it will debit. So there is a potential future where we could pay for everything with these devices, and it could be even more so if it was attached to your wrist because you don't need to get your phone out your pocket. Mm. You just well, put your wrist, wave your wrist over the over the cash register, and you've just paid for your bagel. I'm imagining too using like Touch ID to authorize a payment. Um, that would be pretty cool. There, there is where well, that makes a lot of sense. There is still 
financial institutions still get uh, wary of this because it's not their system that is doing the authorization. So even though in theory a fingerprint is more secure than a four or six digit PIN number, that some financial, more entrenched financial institutions are less likely to want to support Touch ID because it's Apple's thing, not their thing. And they have no way of like doing the verification themselves. They just have to trust that Apple say it's that person, which, you know, th- that's not necessarily when it's coming down to they could end up losing their money in this to financial institutions. They're less likely to want to support that. Can yeah, you imagine and, where this information is coming from? <laughs> right. And Dr. Drake makes a good point in the chat of, you know, Apple doesn't have the smartphone momentum in the market that they did, say, in 2008 or 2009, where Android is the market leader in a lot of metrics. And so even if Apple said, hey, you know what, uh, we're going to do this thing, they don't hold the market share. They don't hold the majority of that in such a way that they can force the hand and kind of force the issue. And so like if Apple does their own thing and even if some banks are like, you know what, so like, you know, my small credit union, like a local bank would never do this. Like they barely have online banking and it's terrible. They would never do this. I, I would need to go to a bigger institution, even if they did support it. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I think, I think Mike, I think you're absolutely right. I think Apple's got to kind of play into the already established system. And I don't think that's the end of the world. I don't think that means that it's, um, that this is dead on arrival. No, it's the right thing to do. And uh, Apple as I will recall, still get their amount of money. They'll still get their processing fee from, you know, their little slice of that mm-hmm. from the card companies. As I recall, Apple, there were reports that Apple did try to build their own public or their own payment system, and they ran into a lot of trouble. And I think this is this is something that we um, I think Dr. Drang is right in saying that if Apple could have done this, you know, a few years ago was when they could have tried it. I'm not sure it would have worked because the financial services market is really huge and slow to move. And that's why I mentioned how like the move to chip and pin and the target data breach and a bunch of things like that. This is a good time because things are moving now. Things are fluid. And I, you know, I don't think the financial services sector was going to do an Apple, you know, an Apple only thing ever. (laughs) And I think that's sort of what Apple wanted to do. And uh, this is going to be, more like Apple lending its weight to this might be the thing that um, sort of greases the skids for it to just uh, happen. And and uh, you know I'm optimistic about that. I think I think like I said, it's if you told me that we were changing to the metric system, I would I would laugh and laugh and laugh. But and I would have said that about chip and pin. But uh, funny how life works that enough horrible data breaches happen <laughs> and somebody somebody says, oh, this is costing us money, and then magically. We get chip and pin after all. So I think it's a good time for all of this stuff. Yeah. So the the other sort of issue on the table today is iOS 8 and Yosemite ship dates. So if history holds up and, I, you know, iOS 8 would ship with the new phones, you know, the new phones would be running iOS 8. Not really anything to discuss there. The question becomes, what about Yosemite? where iOS 8 and the new version of OS 10 obviously do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of the handoff and continuity stuff, which uh, I've been playing with, and the parts that work right now are, are really pretty handy. Um, and there's been some some thoughts of, do they need to ship these things at the same time? And I, for one, 
don't think that they do. I think that Iowa State can stand on its own, and then when OS 10 is ready, probably in October, then they, you know, maybe they release OS 10 and the new iPads together, which I think is what they did last year, mm-hmm. or pretty pretty close. And and then you know, with the iPads, you can talk about handoff and all this great stuff, and then your iPhone kind of automatically just does it with the Mac after Yosemite's out. Like they don't, I've. I, for one, don't think that they have to ship together. I think saying that they do is is a little short-sighted. A lot of things, in fact, um, <laughs> in the really pragmatic stalling for time category, I think um, if you know Yosemite is not going to ship until October, which, I mean, that's when Mavericks shipped, I believe, so it makes sense. Uh, also, it allows you to, it gives you a lot of clarity as an iOS developer about what f- bugs to focus on. Like, you can just not worry about handoff and ship iOS uh, eight, knowing that there'll be an 801 or 802 that will drop right around the same time Yosemite drops that's got all of the handoff stuff all buttoned up tight. I mean, th- th- it's actually one of the beautiful things is you can say it's in iOS 8, but not have it be there right away because Yosemite's not there. So they can just like whistle a little bit past the graveyard and be like, we'll be back later and be gone. <laughs> because, because right? I mean, and, and if you look in the public beta, it's very clear that that handoff doesn't really, you know, it, it's not really working very well right now or at all in some cases and i think that's i think that's because they know they've got more time for that than they do for other ios features but then icloud drive is the elephant in the room like mm. because if you upgrade to icloud drive it destroys ev- all documents and data syncing well that's and that's not that's not really true i mean the way it works if you go to ios 8 or Yosemite, and you don't enable iCloud Drive, all your other iCloud stuff is still there. It's sort of in a different place. And again, like handoff, Apple could ship iOS 8 without iCloud Drive. They could use the old iCloud structure, or they could just leave it janky for a month. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know if that's enough to say Yosemite's going to be out, you know, with, with the new iPhones. Now, that said, I'm planning to have my review <laughs> ready by then just in case. And I think a lot of people who pay attention to this are, you know, maybe preparing that they don't follow the pattern. But I, I think if if next Tuesday comes and goes and we are, you know, still running Mavericks like 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 animals, I don't think that's the end of the world. Because the iCloud Drive thing, though, like you can't. Well, I'm it's sure a choice they, to up. It's a choice to upgrade, right? Doesn't iOS? I mean, we're talking about the beta yeah. now, but doesn't it give you the option? So, what would stop them from just not giving anybody the option and just not having it be there for the first month? That would be the best thing to do, and um, then turn it on in October. Say iCloud Drive is coming in October. Woo! Yeah, that, I mean that's the way to do it. If they're happy, <laughs> back with the, away that with the fact that they've promoted it, right? So, but as long as they're happy to be, then just throw a little sticker up, see like it's coming in October now. Um, because you could do it between the iPhone and the iPad, um, th- then you'll be fine, and, and, it, and right. it, will, it will be lovely. Because at the moment, if you enable it, things like, like for example, Clear um, will not sync for me anymore because I dared to sign in on an iPod Touch uh, and wasn't paying attention. Because that's the problem. I wasn't paying attention. Mm. Nobody else really pays attention. And you just, during that setup process, just go, yes, 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 yes. And then, you know... And when I say nobody else, of course I don't mean you two because you're smarter. Um, I mean everybody else, like regular people like me, um, who don't pay attention to what they're signing up to uh, and then just go through and just say yes to everything and then all of their iCloud apps don't sync anymore. 
So they need they, they want to fix that. Anyway, on that great note, uh, <laughs> Mr. Jason Snell, uh, are you going to be at the event? I will be there. I got I got invited. It was very very kind of Apple. They actually I think there are four uh, people from uh, MacWorld who are going to be there, which is a record for us uh, in recent years. So yeah. I look, forward, I look forward to seeing pictures of you on treadmills and exercise bikes and stuff <laughs> like that, trying out the health devices. And then around the, you know, they'll probably have like a fake supermarket in there as well so you mm-hmm. can try out the payment stuff. So enjoy all of that. Those will be really, really beautiful photos too. It'll be like when they unveiled the iPod Hi-Fi, which is also in the iconic book, by the way, which made me smile. And they had like, they set up the house. It's going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also released, if memory serves me correctly, leather like iPod uh, cases at that event that sold for like a hundred dollars and had like the embossed yeah, Apple logo on the back. Yeah, I don't know if it was a hundred dollars, but they were laughable. It they was were, expensive. I think they were fifty dollar cases. Maybe that was it. Sixty dollar cases, and that was that was not not good. I, I, that that event was like. Um, I don't know. I felt like that was like Steve Jobs uh, had a really bad attitude that week and just decreed that this is what they were going to do. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, Apple's product discipline is so great. And even though even though Steve Jobs always had the attitude that everybody who was a third party was stealing money from his his good work and Apple's good work and that Apple needed to find ways to take the money off the table. And that was absolutely his attitude. You rarely saw it as brazenly as with the iPod Hi-Fi, which was literally like, wow, Bose is selling a lot of sound docs. Let's let's take that action from them. And yeah. it failed, which is the beauty of it. I actually use an iPod Hi-Fi as my um, external Mac speakers at home to this day because it's got an, aux, <laughs> it's got an nice. aux port, so it's still actually yeah. functional. But um, man, that was, that was the whole reason that product existed is just because they were really bent out of shape. And I really believe it was Steve Jobs was mad that Bose was making so much money off of the greatness of the iPhone, and that so they made their own thing. So big, it's like, a well. I mean, yeah, it's like a it's like the size of a of a, like a classic '80s like dual cassette deck portable tape player kind of thing. And Bose were doing those tiny little things. Yeah, and it, it, but you know, it was fine because Steve replaced his high end audio equipment anyway. So. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, we know it's, it's good. It sounded good. It I mean, sounds we, good. We, I listen to yeah. it almost every day still, and it sounds perfectly fine. It was just overpriced and kind of pointless. And then sadly, also it um all the iPod charging in it, even though it had a little swappable like place where you could put in different dock connectors and things like that, it was using the original firewire charging, which meant like a year later when they changed to USB um charging uh, where the pins were different. Um, yeah. And all, all of these different chargers, car chargers broke. So did the iPod Hi-Fi, and that was the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wah, I can't. Wah. I can't use my beloved iPod Classic with one. Nope. I, I will say though, I do. I do keep my iPod Classic in a green iPod sock. So, hey, good for you. Is, I know, I, right? I'm so. I, I have. Uh, I have an iPod Classic. I'm in the club for the iPod Classic too. I have one yes. in my car. Does the iPod yes. Classic have the thirty pin? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I have I have both I have both style cables in my car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Stephen. Uh, uh, Mr. Jason Snell, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet, sir? You can find me on Twitter at uh, jsnell. You can find much of my writing on MacWorld, and you can find many of my fine artisanal handcrafted podcasts at theincomparable.com. Thank you for And you can find us. me listening oh. to this show every week on my iPhone in my in my car. So power sliding me there. around Cupertino. Power sliding while listening to your show, yes. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Arrivederci.
This episode of Connected is also brought to you by our friends at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code WORLD at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Squarespace have their beautiful, award-winning templates that you can choose from. But custom CSS can be applied to any template design through their built-in custom CSS editor, which also provides image and font file storage for CSS assets. So basically, you can take as much of their beautiful templates as you like, but you can also get under the hood and tinker around, and that's exactly what Steven does with 512 Pixels. Squarespace also feature Typekit and Google Fonts right out of the box, allowing you to select a truly beautiful typeface for your website or blog and give it that bit of personality. They also do some really amazing stuff with images too that I don't hear people talk about enough. They have a really powerful editor built right in Powered by Aviary, which allows you to simply and easily edit photos. They have progressive image loading built right in, which ensures the images at the top of your pages load faster for your visitors than the ones at the bottom, making sure that your site seems even more snappy. They also store multiple sizes of your images, ensuring that the correct version is then loaded dependent on screen size and resolutions. All of Squarespace's uh, sites are built with responsive web design, so they make sure they take notice of that with their images as well, so they don't serve images that are too big. They also make uh, third-party services like Typekit, Google Analytics, and Discuss really easy. All you have to do is provide your user ID and Squarespace takes care of the rest. If you want to dig into the code, you can do that. You can easily inject custom code into your site's header or footer on a per-page basis and get under the hood. 301 and 302 redirects are also built right in and easily supported. I like to get into the real technical stuff when I talk about Squarespace on this show. Squarespace really do think of everything, and all of this is built on on top of their rock-solid hosting platform with 24-7 support, iPhone and iPad apps, built-in analytics, and so much more. Plans start at $8 a month, and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year, and every single Squarespace site comes with the ability to add Squarespace Commerce so you can set up your own online store. You can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code WORLD to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Connected. We want to thank Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website so we should probably go for app picks now right let's do it do you want to take the lead yep so uh i would like to talk about it's a very quick one for me today i think uh product hunt which is a website that i came across recently um i think i started getting into it when people uh let us know that we were on product hunt um relay fm when we launched it's basically it's a y combinator um backed project and it's effectively just uh, a list of new things that have launched. People submit things to Product Hunt, like Dig or something like that, and people upvote them. It's th- that sort of Dig style that you're used to. But all it is is for things, new services, new apps, new projects, new products that have launched. And it's a really cool way to go on and find new little web services or apps. And I found a few apps. So like today we've got like the Logitech K480 is the top of product hunt today. Um, and it's it's a keyboard, a new Logitech keyboard that you can use with basically any device. 
it's like made to be like Android, iOS, all that sort of stuff. Um, so the app is very simple. Um, it's you're authenticated via Twitter for the application. You can go in, you can view all of the comments that are attached to each uh, product that's listed. You can add comments if you like, and you can also view the associated websites. And if you like it, you can upvote it. Um, it's just a cool way to. I kind of wanted to do like a double thing. Like it's it's a cool service to find new stuff, and their app is very simple and very clean. It's a, it's a nicely designed application as well. So check it out. It's called Product Hunt, and it's in the App Store. Cool. Mine, mine, my pick is uh, an app by Jared Sinclair of, of Unread and. Uh, whisper and repost uh, a new app called time zones. It's an iPhone app and it does basically what you think it would. It is a, uh, a time zone and world clock application and it does a couple things really well. You might say, Steven, the iOS system does this. You can just open the clock app and I do have my time zones in there and, and that's, that's fine. But one thing that, that time zones does is it has a uh, a little little feature called is it called a quick check quick check yeah, yeah. quick check and so you can go in here and uh, I'm gonna have a screenshot in the uh, in the show notes because it's not the one uh, that I'm deleting now f- from the document one so I can go in here and I can say okay I have an event uh, Monday September eighth uh, at eleven p.m. Um, and I can say that event is in pick a city mike just pick a city london so i can say london Uh, so i'm going to pick east london south africa okay great yeah that's what you want to do and i can do quick check and it will tell me when that event is based on my local time so i give it the time that i was given from the event host in their time zone and it, it tells me what it is my time. And that that sounds confusing, but it's really not. It's really quick and it's great. You know, if listening to a live podcast or, you know, want to catch something on TV or if someone says, hey, we're going to have a phone call, uh, to go in there and just very quickly know when it is in your time zone instead of doing what I used to do, which would be like, you know, for Mike, you, are, you and I are six hours apart. Federico and I are seven hours apart. You know, Jason and I are two hours apart. And trying to figure all that out mentally is just uh, a good way to go crazy. So... Time Zone takes care of all that. It's free with the in-app purchase to get rid of ads. It looks great on iOS 7 and 8. And uh, it's definitely, if you if you deal with this sort of thing, definitely the tool you should you should be using. I want to add a couple of things to this. Okay. So when you're doing the quick check, so you, you can kind of go in and say, I want to know what 8 p.m. is in all of, the, and it gives you a list. It shows you all of the time zones that you've entered because you can enter multiple time zones. It shows you what that time is in all of them. So that's really useful for... Like for me, when I'm trying to work out what time this show streams, I can go in and be like, I know it's 10 p.m. London time, right? So that's X time. Uh, like, so that's like so three. So I'm not using it right now. Otherwise, I'd know 2 p.m. San Francisco time, 5 p.m. Eastern time, etc. And you get that yeah. list. But, and then, but then you can jump backwards and forwards by 30-minute increments. So if you're trying to schedule a time, be like, oh, no, that doesn't work for Stephen. Maybe an hour's time will be good for him. So you just hit the button a couple of times and it gets you to do that. You can also rename time zones. So I have time zones by city, but also by people as well. So like I can't necessarily remember what time zone such and such person's in. I don't remember that they live in this city, but I can just put their name in. And also, one of the reasons I love this app is uh, 
I I helped Jared with some of the thinking behind it. So the actual this the idea for this application came in a conversation that me and him had after he was on command space. I was talking to him. We were just talking, and I was talking to him about the fact that there are no good time zone apps. And then I told him all the things that I needed, and then he made it. He for some reason he doesn't credit me with this, and it upsets me so greatly. Wow! Uh, even the quick check thing, right? So the jumping between like the thirty minutes, like going in ahead. I said add that, and he had you know, just saying, Jared, you know, you don't have to give me any money, but you could just say Mike helped. That's what's all I ask for. I don't know why I don't know why he ex- he refuses to acknowledge my existence, Stephen. Wow! It upsets me. Not not that you're upset or bitter in any way. Yeah, so you can you can find Product Hunt online. You can find Time Zones in the iOS App Store. All of those are available at our show notes, which are on the internet somewhere. I'm not really that bitter, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Relay.fm slash connected slash three. Something like that. Something like that. So we come to the end of this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Jason again for joining us. We've got a very special episode next week because it's the first uh, Apple event that we'll be covering on Connected. Um, so you want to tune in for that. We broadcast this show live on the internet. Um, we broadcast at 10 p.m. London time, 2 p.m. San Francisco time. So pacific time and (laughs) 5 p.m eastern time uh so you want to definitely tune in it's going to be a fun show next week for sure if you want to catch the show notes that Stephen mentioned relay.fm slash connected slash three we are underscore connected fm on twitter i am at imike i-m-y-k-e and Stephen is at i-s-m-h Stephen also writes over at 512pixels.net we'll be back next week until then bye-bye adios